How many have ever been on an airplane? Just get out of the way. All right, cool. All right, so we have some common ground here. I was scared that you'd like look at me and be like, what's an airplane? And then like my whole illustration would be tanked, you know? All right, so you've been on an airplane. How many people, how many people have ever had this? Ex- well, well, I'm sorry, let me back up, let me back up. How many of you, if you are about to go on an airplane, how many of you are packed three days in advance, luggage is by the door, and you were like, I can't wait. All right. All the type A people are like, yep. Right? All right. How many people may or may not be like me? I'm not sure. But how many people are like, we leave in an hour? That's plenty of time to get packed. Right? Yep. Yep. I'm there. I'm there. Whenever you're going, so whether you're, whether you're a, a, an early packer, and you're just like the fun sucker because for the like three days leading up to the trip, you're just a constant reminder that we're leaving and that I haven't packed my bags yet. I'm like, I know, just leave me alone, right? So whether you pack early or whether you're like running, just like throwing stuff in the car, you ever do that? Like you're running late, so you just start throwing stuff in the car, knowing that it'll make it into the bag on the car ride. I'm the only one, aren't I? Dang it, you're with me. All right, you understand, right? So no matter where you are, no matter what type of packer you are, the reality is that every time that we go on a trip, you need to pack your bags. You know what I'm saying? Everybody say, pack your bags. You guys have such poor grammar. <laughs> Why are you saying it like that? So weird. And so here's what happens. Here's what happens. You know that you're going to arrive at a destination. You know that you're going to land somewhere, get in an Uber, and show up in your hotel room. And you know that when you get there, you're going to need certain things, right? Right? You're going to need certain things. And so each and every single one of you, when you get on a plane, you bring a carry-on. You bring a carry-on bag. And here's the thing, right? You know that when you get there, you're going to need certain things. And so you think ahead and you say, oh, I'm going to need this. And so you throw it in your carry-on bag. Oh, I'm going to need this. So you throw it in your carry-on bag. Except for those times that you don't throw it in your carry-on bag, right? Any contact wearers in the house? right? Corrective lenses. What is it like when we leave our solution, right? Right? What happens is if you don't think ahead, if you don't think ahead and you just rush and you go, you're going to show up at your destination. You're going to show up at your place of arrival. And if you wait until the moment that you arrive to think about the things you need, you're stuck. You know what I'm saying? You guys pick up what I'm putting down? If you wait to think about what you need until you get there, You're going to be like me, where you show up in the hotel and you're like, oh, I can't wait to go to bed. I'm going to jump into this giant bed that I don't need to make in the morning and it's warm and fluffy and I just have to take my contacts out and I go, dang it, I don't have any contact solution, right? And you're stuck. Or maybe some of you dudes, right? You You didn't think about what you needed when you arrived and so it didn't dawn on you until you showed up that you should have carried on some deodorant, right? Every guy knows what I'm talking about. Don't act like you don't, right? And you're like... I can make it for another day, right? Uh, some of the ladies are like, what? <laughs> I know how it goes, right? If you wait until you get there to figure out what you need, you're too late. You're too late. And so what we do, friends, what we do whenever we're going on a journey, we think ahead and we just put it in our carry-on. I'm looking right now at a group of young men and young women ranging from sixth grade to college and older and adulthood. And most of you in this room, you're headed to a destination 
called marriage. Okay? Most of you in this room, you're headed to, you're, 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 you're on a crash, well, but let's not say a crash course, all right? That would just really rock this illustration. But you're headed for a season of life where you're going to have to make some pretty big decisions about relationships. You're going to have to consider some pretty big realities such as marriage and all of the things that go with that. And I'm telling you today, friends, if you wait until you arrive at that moment to think about what you need for that moment, you're too late. And so what I want to do with you young students, my little brothers and sisters, as I so affectionately call you guys, for the next several weeks, I want us to put some things in our carry-on. There's some things that you don't necessarily need right in this moment. I'm looking at some of you, and you're like, I don't even know how to spell mailage, right? And then there's others of you in this room, right? <laughs> and you just, I don't know, maybe a sophomore, junior, or senior in high school, and you're like, all I think about is marriage, right? And you're like, my biological clock is ticking. And I'm like, you're 15, right? So no matter where you are on the journey, no matter how close you are to arriving, the reality is you need some things in your carry-on, Okay? There's some things that you need, whether you're there now or not, you're going to need them when you arrive. And I'm telling you, if you wait until you get there, you're probably a little bit too late. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to put some things in our carry-on bag. We're going to talk about marriage and sexuality and purity and relationships. And we're going to put some things in our carry-on bag, such as, what is God's design of marriage? If God made marriage, why did he make marriage? If he's the architect of marriage, how did he design it to be? So next week, we'll look at the design of marriage. We're going to go back to the very first marriage. We're going to have a wedding here next week. So invite your friends. We should send out some invitations. Next week, we're having a wedding, okay? We're having a wedding. Anybody, any volunteers? I'm going to need two volunteers next week. I don't know, just totally unrelated. I need two volunteers. I shouldn't joke like that because I do have the power to wed. I am a minister. <laughs> So anything I say up here, oopsies, right? Um, like my, your, your mom calls me, my son came home and he's married. What's that about? Hey, it was all for the illustration, Mrs. Smith, all right? It was worth it, hashtag worth it. So we won't do any real live weddings, but we will revisit the first wedding. And so next week, we're going to examine God's design for marriage. The week after that, we're going to talk about the beauty of purity. And friends, we're going to talk about what it's like to fight for God's design. And we're going to talk about how hard it is at times and what we fight against in this culture that doesn't really value God's design. So we're going to talk about that. In a few weeks, we're going to split up our middle schoolers and our high schoolers, and we're going to talk about some purity issues. And we're going to get real, okay? And a few weeks after that, we're going to do an ask it night, but we're going to do it super different. Instead of all of us being here, we're going to divide up into four groups. We're going to have middle school girls, middle school guys, high school girls, and high school guys. We're going to do smaller groups like that, medium-sized groups, and we're going to do Ask It, all right, but in those intimate groups. And you'll notice what we have up here, um, Maximilian, I'm sure he'll find it. Oh, right here. So check it out. We're going to do this box, and over the next few weeks leading up to Ask It, I want you guys to ask questions, all right? And so we'll have these up here at the end of the gathering. They, uh, this box will be living in the academy, in the lounge over there. And so over the next several weeks, any question that you have about this stuff, if there's something I say that you don't understand, if there's something you heard in school, if there's something that's always bothered you, hey guys, 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 right? In the back over here. If there's something that's always bothered you, what I want you to do is I want you to grab a card Put your name, your grade, write the question down, and we'll make sure we address that in a few weeks when we do ask it. Sound good? 
right? And so these are the things that you, you may need these in your carry-on. And so my desire, friends, my desire is that as you are coming to Citizens, as you're learning to live for Jesus, that you would pack your bags in such a way that will set you up for success, that you can be a godly mom and a godly wife or a godly husband and a godly dad. And you guys, man, there's gonna be, there's gonna be families that, they're, that they're, the, the trajectory of your entire family was changed because of the things you learned in this series. That's my prayer. And so we're gonna be doing some carry-on and uh, we're gonna do it together. Does that sound like fun? You guys wanna carry on? So listen, let's get our bags, all right? So everybody grab your, your carry-on. I'm sure you brought it, right? Metaphorically speaking, of course. <laughs> what? So grab your bags. And here's what we're going to do. Starting next week, we're going to start filling up the bags. Starting next week, we're going to start actually putting certain things. That'd be a great illustration, huh? We should actually have some like items and label them. And then you guys can each take it home and put it in your bag. Do not open until you're 25. Um, but we're going to actually start filling the bag next week. But here's what I want to do this week. Here's what I want to do this week. Before you start filling up your carry-on, tonight I want us to answer this question. Why? Why? All right, Sam, I'll fill up my carry-on bag. I'll start thinking ahead and thinking about what I'll need one day for marriage and, and sexuality and all those kind of things. But wait, wait, time out, time out, time out. Why are we talking about that here? I thought, I thought this is the place where we talked about things that related to Jesus, right? Isn't this a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus? So if this is a place where we're learning to live for Jesus, why are we talking about things like marriage? That, why, doesn't, why, are we, why are we doing this, guys? I thought this is a place where we, where we just exposited scriptures about the gospel. Why are we talking about marriage? Isn't that like private? Isn't that something I'd like... My school teaches me, or I watch television and they teach me, right? And my answer to you is a resounding no. This is super relevant. This is exactly what we're called to do. And we're going to see it today here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. So you guys have your bags? You ready to pack them? Well, let's see why we're going to pack them, right? So open up your Bibles. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12 through 13. Uh, go ahead and grab your notes. If you don't already have your notes, grab those notes. You're going to need those at the end of the gathering. So you can take notes and you can put those in your carry-on. And then one day when you're walking down the aisle, you can just like give this to your spouse. And it's like, long story, but I took these when I was 12. And you need these, all right? And they're like, you should have listened to the podcast. So uh, one day. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. When you got it, be like, oh yeah. All right, here we go. If you don't got it, say, oh no. All right, I'll wait, I'll wait. Oh yeah, here we go. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, two verses, verses 12 and 13. Let's read. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. That's our text. We got just two verses. I'm going to read it one more time. And then we're going to talk about it, okay? All things are, everybody say this. All things are lawful for me. But not all things are helpful. 
you don't have to repeat everything, right? Say this. All things are lawful for me. But I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Let me tell you a story here. So the Corinthians, they were a group of Gentiles, right? Non-Jews. And they were a group and they were learning to live for Jesus, these are the Corinthians. They got saved, right? They put their faith in Jesus Christ. They believed that God saved them and brought them into their family. And so now here the Corinthians go. They're walking and they're learning to live for Jesus. And now in their life, there's a man named Paul, okay? And Paul is like, he's one of those guys that's super important in their life. He's like their pastor, you know what I mean? They're trying to live for Jesus, and they have this guy, well, I'll say here, they have this guy here who's their pastor. He's, um, he's like, he calls himself their spiritual father. You guys have people like that in your life? People that speak truth to you? Do you guys have people that you can go to when, when, when times are hard and you need somebody to speak truth to? That, that's this kind of guy, right? It's kind of like what I do. I'm a spiritual father. I'm a pastor to you guys. And so they're trying to learn to live for Jesus, and they have Paul here who's talking to them, and it's a pretty good thing. Because as they're trying to live for Jesus, as they're living, there was this very dangerous lie that started to go around in their culture. And this was the lie. <laughs> All things are lawful for me, right? And so there was a certain group of people that were saying this, hey, you know what? I'm living for Jesus and I'm free. Jesus saved me and I'm free. He doesn't, he doesn't love me because of what I do and therefore I can do whatever I want. I'm free to do anything. You see how that's dangerous? We'll get there, right? So there's this lie going on in culture. You can do whatever you want. God will forgive you. I mean, you know that God doesn't love you more, right? If you do certain things. So do whatever you want, God. It's on Jesus, not on you. Do whatever you want. And so the Corinthians, they're trying to run for Jesus. They're trying to see what it looks like to live for Jesus. And this lie comes across. And this lie is dangerous because it threatens to cut their feet out right from underneath them. This is a lie that threatens to take them, to totally derail their faith. And it's a lie that says, all things are, are permission. I, I can do whatever I want. All things are lawful. I'm a Christian. I'm free to do whatever I want. Do you see what they're doing when they say that? They're beginning to compartmentalize. Say compartmentalize. Okay, now say it 10 times, five. no, I'm kidding, right? Here's what compartmentalize means. To compartmentalize means to divide things into sections, okay? To compartmentalize means to divide things into sections. Anybody, anybody growing up, or maybe you still do this, and it's okay, we're a safe place here. Anybody hate when their mashed potatoes touch their vegetables, right? Isn't that so annoying? And then it's like, and then, oh my gosh, and then like it really gets worse because not only the mashed potatoes touching the veggies, but then the gravy is like, wah, wah, and it's like running and it's like trying to touch the salad, right? You know what it's like when the gravy, how many people hate that, right? And so you grab your little, other people that you didn't raise your hand, savage. That's all I have to say, all right? How do you sleep at night, okay? You're like, I mix everything because it's all the same in the belly. I'm like, oh, no, you compartmentalize. And so you take your little fork, right? And you separate the peas and the carrots and the mashed potatoes. And then you finally go so crazy that you go, mom, I just need another bowl. This is just running over. It's a problem, right? You got like three bowls, right? Because you just don't want them to touch. You know what I'm talking about, right? I know, I'm crazy. I'm a little OCD, right? 
just a little. And so you do this stuff to make sure that they don't touch, to compartmentalize. I don't want this part of the plate to touch this part of the plate. That's exactly what these Corinthians are doing when it comes to their life. They're living their life, and they go, this is my life for Jesus, okay? This is my discipleship. I'm going to follow Jesus, but when it comes to this area of my life, for the Corinthians, it was their sexuality, I, this, this doesn't really touch my life with Jesus, right? We just keep those separate. So yes, on Wednesday and Sunday, man, we live for Jesus, we love him, but really when it comes to this area of our life, we can do whatever we want. All things are lawful for us, guys. God will forgive us, so... I'm going to do this over here. This is my area of my life, but I still love Jesus over here. Do you see what they're doing with that lie? All things are lawful for me. And so instead of asking, how does my relationship with Jesus here, how does my relationship with Jesus inform the way that I treat that area of my life? How does the fact that I'm a Christian affect the way that I treat this area of my life and the decisions I make and the actions I take? How does that affect this? And instead of doing that, they decided to keep it separate. Do you guys see that? See how they compartmentalize? And friends, and this is a powerful text here because this is a very real temptation for each and every single one of you, okay? This is a very real temptation for each one of you. When it comes to the topic of relationships, when it comes to the topic of purity, when it comes to maybe like in the Corinthians, when it comes to their sexuality, when it comes to marriage, it's easy for us to do the same exact thing. I'm a Christian over here, but, but when it comes to like these things, that's just, that's like a private issue. That's, I, I mean, this is like, this is not really that big of a deal. And we don't ask ourselves the question, how does the fact that the gospel has saved us and transformed us, how does that determine the way that I treat this? That's a danger for us, just like it was for the Corinthians. And here's what happens, students, and I know, I know that you've experienced this. Here's what happens. When we try to compartmentalize, when we try to keep that separate from this, what happens? You start to live a double life. You guys ever, you ever like, even just for a little bit, do you ever experience what it feels like to live a double life? Right. You guys know what I'm talking about. Where it's like, I don't want this area to touch this area. Therefore, I don't want the people that know me around here to really know me over here. And so now it's almost like we keep them separate and I don't want these friends to see these friends. And it's like, hey, I'm this guy. No, actually, I'm this guy. And hey, I'm this guy. And it becomes exhausting, right? It becomes exhausting because I don't want church people to see school people or my family to see my social media. And we just try to compartmentalize things so much and it leads to a double life. And friends, here's the problem with that. Not only is it exhausting, that's not the way that we're called to live as Christians. That's not, that's not the Christian life. That is not the Christian life. Jesus doesn't want little sections of your life, students, okay? Jesus doesn't want to have A, B, and G, okay? He wants A through Z of your life. He wants, every, he wants to be Lord of every part of your life. And that's exactly what Paul's response is here. He wants them to begin to connect the dots. He wants them to connect those different areas of their life. And so he says to them, just because you could do something doesn't mean you should, right? Look at his response. Do you see the quotes in your Bible? He's quoting them. He's, so this is like basically what he's saying. He says, you keep saying, all things are lawful for me. 
but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me. Guys, but, but don't be dominated by anything. Corinthians, you should be asking yourself. Don't keep them separated. Instead, you should be asking yourself, are these actions and lifestyles and decisions, are they helping what I do over here? Instead of saying, those aren't connected, ask yourself the question, students, is this lifestyle helpful to the fact that I'm trying to live for Jesus? Connect the dots. And so the Corinthians, they're trying to keep their sexuality separate from their walk with Jesus, but they should be asking, is this helping me? Am I becoming dominated by these things? Are these things owning me? Because if they are, that's a problem. Because someone else already owns us, right? Look at the second verse here. Look what he says in verse 13. Another quote, he's quoting them. Food is meant for the stomach, and the stomach for food. And then you just hear sarcasm. Oh yeah, and God will destroy them both, one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. So this is another quote here. You're, you're starting to understand the culture of the Corinthians. They have these catchphrases. If they, if they had like music videos back in the day, these would be like the prime time lines of their songs. All things are lawful for me. Right? I mean, just whatever, I don't know what like style they listen to in Greece. It would probably have a lot more Greek stuff. That's probably Arabic. Um, I don't know, but imagine Greek songs, right? And there's like ladies in the music videos and they're singing these songs. All things are lawful, do it. That's Egyptian, dang it. I don't know Greece. Man, so all right, whatever, those are the lines. All things are lawful. And so they're listening to these songs. These are the lines of their culture. These are like the top charts. And they're like, yeah, all things are lawful for me. And then here's another line. Here's another popular lyric in that culture. The stomach is meant for food. Food is meant for the stomach. And you're like, what a weird song. They like to eat. No, it's actually poetic. And it's like, actually sounds pretty cool, but it's dangerous. Do you know what that means? Food is meant for the stomach. It's a metaphor, meaning, guys, if you're hungry, if you have urges, if you, if you have a desire, just give it some food. I mean, that's what it's meant for anyway, right? I mean, if you're hungry, you might as well satisfy that hunger because that's what it's meant for. That's what your stomach exists for, to be satisfied with food. Do you catch the metaphor there? Students, if you have urges, if your stomach, if your body, if your life, if you have urges and desires, just give it what it wants. It's natural. I mean, that's what you exist for anyway. They go together. And Paul says, actually, don't scratch every itch you have. Don't be dominated by these urges. But don't believe the lie that says, well, if I'm feeling it, I must satisfy the hunger because you don't exist for that. That's a lie. Well, I guess my, I mean, I just exist for those things. No, you don't. When Jesus redeems you, every single part of your life now exists to bring him glory. When Jesus redeems you, he just doesn't save one little part on the inside. I'll save your soul, but your body, yeah, the body's meant for food. No, no, no. He, he takes every part of you, your body, your mind, your soul, your sexuality, your purity, your respect, your social skills, everything. He takes the whole part of you and he redeems it. And he says, this now exists for me. And so don't believe the lie that says, well, my body exists for the urges and the urges exist for my body. So I might as well. And he says, no, no, no. Your body exists for the Lord. Your body, your life, everything that, that 
that consist of who you are exist for, the God, for God. Your bodies exist for God. And so here they are trying to compartmentalize. Well, this is my sexuality. Paul, I mean, I'm living for Jesus, but this is just what I do here. This is just me. And he says, no, 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 bring it together because every single part of your life exist for Jesus. As a Christian, that's what it exists for. And so the Corinthians, this is why we're talking about this, because the Corinthians, they were in danger of compartmentalizing their sexuality. And maybe that's not what we're in danger of compartmentalizing, but I'll tell you this, as we go through this series, as we talk about marriage, as we talk about dating, as we talk about relationships, as we talk about respecting the opposite gender, all of those things, friends, we're in danger of compartmentalizing them. We're in danger of going, yeah, I love Jesus, but this over here, I do this on my own, and, and I'll figure this out. And the same is true as we learn about all these things, and this is why we're talking about it at Citizens. This is why we don't simply just talk about the gospel and then things like marriage and dating and relationships, we just leave that off to the side. Here's why. Because our approach to marriage is a matter of worship. Our approach to marriage is a matter of worship. And so here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to come to citizens. We're not going to come to church. We're not going to approach our Bibles and say, Jesus, you teach me about loving you. But when it comes to dating stuff, we're going to have a whole series. Just give me some tricks and tips about relationships. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Citizens teaches me about the gospel, but when it comes to relationships, I just need some like tricks and tips on how to be a good dater or how to get a guy to like me or how to make sure I find a good spouse so I'm not alone. And it's like, no, no, no. We're not doing this because we're, we're taking a pause on our discipleship. We're doing this because even this is a matter of worship. The way that we conduct our relationships, the way that we approach the opposite sex, the way that we treat our purity, the way that we prepare for marriage, all of it, students, is a matter of worship. All of it is, is, is directly connected to our discipleship. And so as you guys begin to pack your carry-on bags, I want you to remember that your marriage one day and the way that you prepare for marriage now is just as much a vertical thing as it is a horizontal thing. A lot of times we read books about relationships or we talk about relationships and, and things like that and we only talk about it, we talk about it in a compartmentalized way, meaning we talk about it as it's like, I just need some like social skills. Because it's about this. I need to know how to deal this way. When in reality, the way that we handle those things, it's a discipleship issue. It's a worship issue. It's a way that we come to God and we say, God, I want to worship you with my whole life. I want every part of my life to honor you. I want every single part of my life to be a way that I can show the world that I love you, including the way I deal and prepare for marriage. And that's exactly why it's appropriate for us to be talking about something like marriage at church. Because marriage, friends, our approach to marriage is a matter of worship. And so as we begin to respond, here's, here's the question for you, okay? Here's what I want to ask you. I'm going to ask you this as your pastor. I'm going to ask you this as a spiritual father, as, as a fellow Christian. As you begin to pack your bags over the next several weeks, as you begin to ask yourself hard questions, as you think about some pretty important topics, are you willing to make it 
a matter of worship. I'm asking you point blank. This isn't like a rhetorical question of like, that would be an interesting question to ask, wouldn't it, Sam? No, I want you to ask yourself right now. Are you willing? Are you willing to make this whole series, are you willing to make all of your thoughts and preparations about marriage, are you willing to make it a matter of worship? Or will you continue to keep it separated and keep Jesus out of it? I'm asking you point blank. This is a challenge. Are you willing, are you willing to make a commitment over the next several weeks that says, God, as I listen to this, at these things, as we learn about it, as we ask questions, as leaders speak into our lives, Jesus, I am willing to have you come in and teach me because I want even this to be a way that I honor you. Are you willing to make this a matter of worship?